Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's sermon podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on Reformation Day 2021 on the basis of Mark chapter 13, verses 5 to 11. are all yours through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, I'm not going to reread the, the gospel lesson, but if you, if you want to keep it open and, and have it handy, we'll walk through most of the verses here this morning. It's, it's on page 8 in your, your service folder there. It's difficult for us to imagine a time where the, the gospel could possibly be lost. Sure, uh, you can look around in our world and you can see a fair amount of corruption and immorality and plenty of falsehood and, and, and lies, but you can also look around in the world and see that the Bible has never been more accessible than it is today. There are millions, even a billion people who claim to be Christians. You know somebody who knows the gospel. You, you probably know plenty of people who know the gospel. And so it's kind of hard for us to imagine a time where the gospel could be lost. But historically speaking, those times have existed. We can go all the way back to the time of, of Noah. It, it, was, it was just a, a few generations, ten generations, after God had given the promise to Adam and Eve that he would send a head crusher, that, that the offspring of the woman would crush the head of of Satan, just ten generations later, most of the world had forgotten that promise. Most of the world didn't serve God, and, and the, the, the promise of the Savior was almost lost altogether. Only Noah and his family were the ones who clung to that, that promise and, and faithfully served the Lord. Fast forward a little bit in history to the time period of the Judges. And things weren't a whole lot different. There would be some, some generations that would raise their children to, to serve the Lord, and they, would, they themselves would faithfully serve the Lord. But they would be followed by generations who would fail to teach that message to their children, who, who wouldn't hold to that message themselves, and they would become a wicked and corrupt generation. Until the Lord would threaten punishment on them, would bring punishment on them in order to wake them up and bring them back to, to worshiping Him and to holding to Him as the one true God. You may even think of, of Elijah. Elijah who was convinced that he was one of the only believers left in the entire nation of, of Israel. He, he was sad, lonely, and depressed until the Lord reassured him that there were still 7,000 people who had not bowed the knee to a false god and who still faithfully served the Lord in, in Israel. I'm sure there's plenty of times in history where people have thought that there is no possible way that the true faith from the true God could possibly be lost, but these examples ring in our head as, as stark reminders of how important it is for the gospel to be proclaimed, taught, and applied. Because without this proclamation, teaching, and application, we are, are threatened uh, and in danger 
of losing that gospel message altogether. And we are resolved to, to never lose that gospel message ever. So, so as for our gospel lesson, our gospel reading here, let me, let me set the context for us a little bit. We hear Jesus' words, but, but let me give you the scene here. Jesus is with his disciples, and they're in Jerusalem. They're, they're specifically in the temple. Now, you know that the temple was the center of the worship life of the Jewish person because the temple was the place where God had promised to dwell amongst his people. And this temple was magnificent. It, it, was, it would have been awe-inspiring to walk into a temple like this. Herod had, had fairly recently redone the temple, and there were so many valuable items contained within the temple. Uh, even Luke talks about how the, the stones of the temple that made up the walls of the temple were so beautiful and so ornate. Some of them were, were even inlaid with, with gold. And so it was shocking for the disciples and for the other people in the temple to hear, as Jesus was walking out of the temple, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, not one of these stones will remain on top of one another. Meaning that they will all be thrown down. They will all be destroyed. That was a somewhat shocking statement to the disciples. And at the same time, confusing. But they waited they waited to question Jesus about it and ask him about it until they got out of the, the city gate of, of Jerusalem. That They climbed up the, the Mount of Olives and they asked Jesus in private this, this question. When will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And that's where our section of Mark picks up. He says, wars, rumors of wars... Nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, famines. These will be the signs of the coming of the end of the age. All signs that have existed and, and still exist today. Since the time of Jesus until now, there have been thousands upon thousands of, of wars and many lives lost in wars. The 20th century saw, saw two world wars and plenty of other wars. The 21st century won't be much different than that. In fact, in, in 2021, right now, there are four active wars worldwide that have had more than 10,000 combat-related fatalities just in one year. These are signs of the coming of the end of the age. On average, over the last 10 years, there's been at least... 12,000 earthquakes worldwide per year. Another sign that we can check off of the coming of the end of the age, how about famines? Do those still exist? Well, believe it or not, they, they do. According to the website, The World Counts, they estimate that, that roughly over 7 million people have died from starvation or hunger-related diseases. Uh, all of this can be disheartening for us to, to see in the news and to hear from the, from the pulpit here. It's disheartening to, to hear of, of natural disasters, of, of people struggling to survive. It's, it's disheartening to hear of wars and, and rumors of wars. And you may wonder, 
if God sees all of this stuff that's going on. You may wonder if, if God is in control of these things. And yet, God speaks to those who are disheartened. He speaks to those who are, who are, are overwhelmed by what they see in the news and what they see happening around them. And he says, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. His very first words there, do not be alarmed, they give the Christian perspective. That no matter what happens around you, that the Christian need not be alarmed. Firstly, because Jesus predicted these things. He predicted them, which means that he is in control of, of everything that is, is happening. But secondly, because regardless of what is happening around you, regardless of the, the calamities that you see, he has given you a forgiveness that lasts to eternity. He has secured for you a salvation that, that no one else can touch. Wars, rumors of wars, nations rising against nations, kingdom against kingdoms, earthquakes and famines, they're not going to be able to take away the salvation that he has secured for you. And we learn two other things from this passage. These things must happen, first. And second, these things will precede the coming of the end of the age. He calls them, them birth pains. Much like an expecting mother goes into labor, labor that may be short but also may be, be long, the earth is experiencing these, these birth pains in the form of, of wars, rumors of wars, famines, and and earthquakes. We are in the end times. From the day Jesus ascended into heaven to now, we are in the end times. There will be wars and rumors of wars, famines and earthquakes until the day Jesus comes back again. But it is in this context that Jesus gives the disciples instruction. He says, you must be on your guard. That is, be diligent and be aware because there are people out there that in these end times are going to want to persecute you. They're going to want to harm you. And on account of your faith, you will be flogged and beaten. You'll be brought before councils of people as if you were on trial. But, even in these anxiety-ridden moments... He gives his people incredible comfort. Because he says this, Don't worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time. For it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be your guide and your strength through these anxiety-ridden moments. But when the pressure feels like it's on you, when you're not sure if you can be strong and stand he will give you the Holy Spirit to strengthen you and uphold you, the Holy Spirit that works through his word. Even during frightening circumstances, even though sometimes the talk of the end times might be somewhat scary for us, Jesus gives us comfort to know that he is with us and he has given his Holy Spirit to be with us and strengthen us. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more in the coming weeks about heaven and about judgment day. But for our purposes today, I want us to go back to the, the very first verse of our section. So, so verse 5, and I want us to just remember the context again. 
Remember, the disciples had come to Jesus and they had asked, when will this happen? Talking about the stones being destroyed, the temple being destroyed. Talking about Judgment Day. He says, when will this happen and what will be the sign of the coming of the end of the age? Now look what Jesus' response is to them. Because he gets around to talking about the signs, which we've already laid out for you. But what does he say first? He says, watch out that no one deceives you. He warns people about deceivers. He warns people about these other people who are going to come in the name of Jesus, claiming to speak on behalf of Jesus, but they're, they're bringing a message that is not the truth. They're, they're trying to deceive you, and by their deception, the truth may be lost, as will gospel comfort, peace, and, and blessings. Do you think that the, the early Christian church, like, like the church in Acts, in the book of Acts, do you, do you think that church could have imagined a time when the truth would be lost? The truth that they knew so well in their hearts, could, could they have imagined a time like that? Could they imagine, have imagined a time when, when gospel comfort wouldn't be something that existed in hearts of, of people, but in, in its place would be fear over, over judgment? They probably couldn't have imagined something like that. After Christianity exploded in, in the first century and survived intense Roman persecution, uh, people probably thought Christianity was somewhat impervious to threats. And then when Christianity was made legal in the 300s, many probably thought this was going to be the golden age of, of Christianity. But those Christians who, who lived at that time couldn't have imagined what the church would have looked like in Martin Luther's day. Where this church had so much power. In fact, it had power over most of the known world at that time, yet it had lost the truth and it had lost gospel comfort. This was a church that, that claimed to come in the name of, of Jesus, yet it trampled on, on Jesus' sacrifice by adding works to salvation. They had lost the core of the gospel. The gospel that says that forgiveness, the forgiveness Jesus won, is full and it's free. It's a gift. It's not a wage. It's not something you earn. But Jesus died on the cross for your sins and all that's left to do is believe. Martin Luther, who we celebrate on, on Reformation Day, was the man who, who rediscovered the truth and rediscovered the gospel and that gospel comfort. He certainly didn't invent it. He certainly was not the first one to discover it, but he brought the truth and gospel comfort back to a time that had almost lost both of those things altogether. This year, a little bit earlier this year, we celebrated the 500th anniversary of, of the Diet of Worms, where Luther was called before this, this council of, of men. There, there were religious leaders, important religious leaders and government officials. In fact, one of the most powerful men in the world was there, the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V. He, he was called before them, and in this room crowded with all these very important people that, that could really determine Luther's fate, they, they set all of his works out in front of them. His writings, his books that, that had been distributed and printed and, and given to, to people. 
In these books where, where he taught that we are saved by grace alone, that it's nothing in us that, that merits salvation, but everything in Jesus. <laughs> in these books that taught that we're saved through faith alone, not, not by works, that, that it's Christ alone that, that opens heaven to us, and that there's no other word besides the word of God that, that gives us these wonderful blessings. It was these works that stood before Luther and it was these works that, that the men of, of that council asked him to, to take back, to recant. It's a pretty anxiety-ridden moment when you have the most powerful people who are asking you to take back what you said. But because they, they explained nothing more, nothing less than what, what Scripture says, he couldn't recant. He couldn't take those things back. And with, with the strength and fortitude that only the Holy Spirit could provide, he took a stand on the Word of God. The history of what made that Reformation necessary is proof of what happens when, when people don't heed Jesus' words to watch out and be on our guard. That there are going to be people who, who seek to deceive. They may not even know that they're deceiving, but they're, they're deceiving you. People who come in the name of Jesus who, who claim either to be Jesus or to speak on his behalf, there's going to be those who, who have given in to the deception. And if we think that, that that doesn't exist, and if we think that we are impervious to deception, let Jesus' words sink in again. Watch out. Be on your, your guard. In fact, there, there is a, a, a different Lutheran church body today that, whose doctrine textbook, written by two guys with the last name Broughton and Jensen, their, their doctrine textbook that they use for, for scholarly papers that they use to teach their seminarians, they have this exact quote that comes from this doctrine textbook. We cannot say that the Bible is the Word of God. End quote. And they go on to write about how the Bible is untrustworthy and has so many contradictions. And they even go so far to say that the resurrection probably didn't happen. So we need to talk about these things. So we can be aware of the deception that exists around us. So that, that deception may never exist among us. That we might hold to the truth of Scripture and the, that we might retain that gospel comfort. Now, don't hear a, a level of superiority from me. Because if we were left to our own devices, we would have lost the truth and the gospel a long time ago. Because our sinful nature is apt to follow the thing that sounds cool. The, the thing that, that everybody is following these days. Our sinful nature is apt to follow the crowd and the influence of, of our peers around us. But it is God, through his word, who preserves the faith and who preserves his people. Through preaching and teaching and application of the gospel, the Holy Spirit works to strengthen your faith and to preserve your faith and to continually renew his promises within you. His promises that, that you are forgiven and, and there is no addition symbol there. You are forgiven and, and that's it. There's nothing more to do. It is all done. It is finished in, in Jesus. So, <laughs> Jesus encourages us 
in this section that the gospel must be preached to all nations. To keep preaching the gospel. To preach that Jesus has done it all. There's nothing more to do. There is no catch. It is free and it's a gift for you. To preach it in church here. To, to make this an important part of what we do as, as a church. But not just to preach it in church. But to center your whole life around the proclamation of forgiveness. Of eternal life. To, to make it your priority to teach your kids about Jesus and about the gospel, about this gift and not something that, that is earned. To, to let this gospel be the thing that, that comforts you when you're in your lowest parts and let this gospel be the thing that, like, that sustains your joy even when you're going through some good times. And in this way, God preserves his church, he preserves the truth so that it may never be lost, ever. Amen.